Hey there, it's Lisa from the Culinary Chronicles podcast. On this show, I will interview people from all walks of life about their food experiences and culinary journeys. Food, feeding my loved ones, sharing meals, and the conversations and love that fill the table are what this podcast is all about. My father was a butcher, my uncle a baker, and my grandmother's after-school snacks were always a delightful Sicilian treat. I've always celebrated with food and found gathering around a table the most amazing feeling in the world. Culinary Chronicles is my way of sharing this love of food with you. I hope this podcast fills your cup with entertaining tales about the love of food. Okay, well, I'm going to jump right in to my next guest who I have admired from afar for many years. And we did some work together many moons ago. We were just trying to calculate when that was. But um, I wanted to introduce Jane Birch from Paris. She's uh, joining us from Paris. So maybe I'll let you introduce yourself and explain a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and, you know, where you live and how you ended up there. Okay. How long do we have? Welcome to the show. <laughs> we, we have, have about okay, an hour. Because that's the <laughs> eternal discussion that I ask myself. Who am I? <laughs> where have I come from? Um, so my name is Jane. Accent gives me away. I'm from Chicago. I'm a good old American. And um, I have been running a cooking school in Paris that I founded. Uh, it's now 13 years old, which I have to count in my Whoa. mind because those two years that we shall not speak of called COVID um, it made me lose track of time. But um, same. Yeah. So I've been in Paris for probably um, almost 17 years now. In fact, this January made 17 years and I am a career changer. I don't want to get into too much to give away too many secrets, but I'm a career changer. I used to work for a bank and um, that's what brought me to Europe and then brought me to Paris many moons ago. And what made you jump from being in the banking world to starting a culinary school? So, um, I love when people ask me that question because they're very just excited with these big beaming eyes. And then I see them deflate when I say I, I had never in a million years thought I would have a cooking school. And it was not a lifelong dream at all. And that's when they slowly wilt away and try to find somebody else to talk to. Um, but I love to share that because it came as an idea to me during a time when I was, um, probably in a bit of a crisis due to family reasons. And I took that idea and it saved me because it gave me something to focus on. And I played with it. And uh, lo and behold, it turned into La Cuisine. So that's where La Cuisine came from. We kind of found each other in, in the universe. She wasn't planned. Yeah. I, I have the exact same story where I just fell into it and I thought I would try it for a year if I liked it. And I had, I wasn't, you know, dreaming about it since yeah. childhood. And I have, like you say, people walk in and say, like, oh my gosh, this is my dream. Because I was saying every Hallmark movie has a woman that owns a bakery oh, and works at a bakery. And it's all romanticized of like, you know, rolling croissants. And it's not really like that. No, right? it's not. You know, um, but it's fun. And it's just I always like to remind people, one, that nobody's superhuman. I didn't have this big, fabulous idea for my whole life. I had something that I just pursued. And as you and I know, it's not always been easy at all. And what is La Cuisine? Because I know it. And when I used to run foodie trips, um, we came to do two years yes, in a row. Did. We did culinary classes for 
five days at your school, the people that I brought and the teachers that you had just imprinted on me. And some of those guests that came on that trip are still friends. And we still talk about, you know, coming to Paris and, you know, sitting on the side of the river and having wine and a baguette. And it just, it's just a magical experience that you offer. So tell people that don't know about your Yes, happily. Thanks, Lisa. Um, So uh, yeah, I shouldn't take that for granted. So La Cuisine is a cooking school. Well, I like to say it's an yeah, let me start there. It's a cooking school. We do uh, cooking classes in English, and there are classical French classes. So everything that um, you hopefully would find people being curious about, macaron, uh, croissant, going to the market with the chef and coming back and cooking. I mean, that's our, our bread and butter. So we do that five or six days a week, depending on the season. We also do food tours for the food lovers that don't want to be in a kitchen. I completely understand that. I'm one of them myself a lot of the time. And I guess the reason I hesitated at first is because, you know, a lot of people who come to us, it's one, they're very curious about food and culture. And two, they want to have an enjoyable experience. So I'd like to say I've evolved to appreciating that actually my business is a business of memories. It's not necessarily cooking classes. I love well, that. thank you. That's exactly what your that's exactly what your business is. And I feel like I say the same thing. I said if someone never rolls a croissant again in their life, I want them to have said they had such a fun yeah. afternoon with us and they enjoyed the teacher and the ambiance and the location and yeah. all that. Well that's you know, that's what think about when people come and it's the confidence building, it's um you know, we're also desperate to have ways to be creative and um, be curious. And cooking is such a great way to do that. And easy to connect with strangers and other people because you're all at the same level. Like no one is, you know, a pasta master when they come to a pasta <laughs> Exactly. Or a croissant, you know, like what's the percentage of people that have never made a croissant in their life? Is it oh, gosh. 99.9? Uh, e- easily. And, and most of them will probably never make it again. You know, they're very, maybe, especially when they see how much butter goes in, wink, wink. Um, But, you know, it's a laborious process, but they're not there for that, I find. They're there because they're in Paris and they want to make croissants and hang out with your cool staff. So tell me a little bit about the market class, because that's super unique. And what's kind of like the seasonal wows that people that come from abroad, you know, really, really get a kick out of. So this class, um, you know, the markets in Paris are so special and everything in Paris is a family business. And I know that the markets look, you know, so big and vast and they're outside and the markets are actually run by a French, uh, a longstanding French family business. So each of the markets has their own personality in each neighborhood. And we frequent three of them because they're in close proximity. You should know that markets are never open on Mondays, by the way, in Paris. Um, And so the experience is about discovering the market. And the market is not just a shopping center. A market is like the center of a community. And that's where it's fun to watch and sometimes frustrating to our visitors when you see the person in front of you is taking 20 minutes to talk about their vacation, talk about their family. But, you know, it's markets are the center of relationships in each community so we get to discover that we of course get to discover the products 
and France, and I hope we never lose this. And I'm always so sad when I see strawberries in December, because when you see strawberries in December, there's no celebration when they come out in spring and summer. So having things that are seasonal is always exciting. You see them on the market. Everybody wants to uh, catch them. And then, of course, French cuisine itself. And as you talked about, it's when you create a meal with people, that's a special experience. I find that's a real, real special experience. I mean, everybody wants to tell you what their grandmother did. And then you can get into culture and family and history and, and just the love of breaking bread with each other. Very long answer to you asked me a very concise no, question about products. Yeah. No, I no, that is the perfect answer because it's exactly what it's all about. It, and I, I always like to ask people what they think about gathering because that's gathering is such a a topic that we missed over the last years because of yes. COVID. And now yes, yes. getting people back in person, like I had an in-person meeting less yesterday after two years. And so different to gather with, you know, 12 women in the same room and eat and drink. It was so magical just to say that it was like, you know, a regular afternoon. But I know. What's what does gathering mean to you? Oh my God! And speaking of gathering, have you read Priya Parker's book, The Art of Gathering? I feel like that's where I got it. Oh from. my God! It's beautiful. I, yes, I think I read that. It's beautiful. Yes, that's why I always talk about gathering now because I loved her um, whole analogy of gathering. Gathering to me, I realize that uh, a big part of me is an introvert, and I can live my best life probably not coming out for weeks on end. However. Um, well, no, I will say I thought that. However, after COVID, when I had a number of times when I was working in solitaire by myself, I realized that I missed the stimulation of others and just that connection that you can't get over a remote video. And I'm very grateful for those products. You know, they got me through COVID, being able to at least see people. But coming together physically you know, it's just another level of being able to read context that you can't get over a video, being able to um, have all the sensory things we forget, the smells, the small noises, the, the white noise. You know, I mean, it's all those things that if you're not in person, you you miss out on. So I, I long for gatherings. I recently had a meeting where the lady was like, just, I'll send you a Zoom link. And I'm like, no, I looked at your address. I know where you are. I'm coming over. And she, <laughs> I'm and she and she's now. like, well, we can meet remote. And I'm like, no, we can't. I'll come to you. Don't worry. Because I just so desperately wanted to that. have, you know, somebody to connect with in person. And we just had the great time and we laughed about it because I thought, my God, she's going to think I'm a psycho or I'm pursuing her. Or I don't know what, but I just wanted that meeting. <laughs> That's so funny. I had a I had an encounter at the bulk food store with like a really friendly young man. The first kind of outing I had kind of after COVID, whenever that was, because it kept going on and off. But I remember leaving and like texting my friends being like, I just talked to someone at Bulk Learn and it was so amazing. And I was like, I'm so happy. And they're like, Bulk Learn? Like, yeah, the discount bulk place. I had the most like ecstatic experience because you were like, How's your day? What's new? And I was like, oh, this is so normal again. Isn't it? You know, and those first couple of moments where you feel like you haven't had them in so long, it's like exhilarating and exciting. And, you know, the severe introvert 
in myself. It's I'm also a little anxious because I'm trying to think of what to say and how I'm going to say it. And very much like you, I had an experience, but mine was embarrassing that I was talking to a guy and I was just so happy to talk. And um, I had asked him a question and they responded. And then I'm like, what else am I going to ask him? And then I asked him the same thing that I had just asked him. <laughs> he's, I just want to keep talking to you, sir. He's just looking at me like, okay. And I just said, listen, I just stopped and I'm like, I'm really sorry. I haven't been out. And I'm just very excited. And that, which probably made it a little, little bit more awkward, but that's okay. We, we had a laugh. <laughs> Where was your first place you went for dinner with your girlfriends after, you know, things opened up? Oh. Do you remember? I don't know. And I think the first, um, you know, I don't go out that much. I think it was the first of like going to somebody's home because people do entertain at home a lot, I find here. And I think it was that first experience where you have people over and you're like, do I, uh, you know, I love deviled eggs. And I think they're perfectly COVID friendly because they're individual bits. Oh, yeah. And I'd never thought about how can we serve things that are individual and what happens if somebody double dips in the hummus? Should I, you know, it's all those things that like. Brave. Right. And but, you know, North Americans were really sensitive about double dipping in Europe that people seem to be a bit more relaxed about it. And it's in COVID times and all these funny dynamics that still probably are in the back of my mind, but I just let it go at some point. Oh my gosh. So tell me, growing up in Chicago. What was food, like, what relationship did you have with food? Were you, you know, all-American steak and potatoes growing up, or what was your family? Um, All-American, all and my relationship with food is very much driven by my grandmother, who was really the matriarch of our family. And everything for her revolved around food. And it was not, um, it was very humble, simple food, all made from scratch. My grandmother grew up in a in, in a family where food was precious, and um, she took great care and pride in feeding her family all the time. And she was really the center of the world. So food was um, just simple and and a almost like a, a project that just kept rolling. You would make one meal and start planning and preparing for the next. So that was my grandmother's life. She was, you know, also a grandmother. She's a senior citizen. So I guess what else can she do? I'm joking. I'm joking. Somebody else is a senior citizen is going to slap me for that. I need a lot of comments on <laughs> that now. <laughs> no, but I think, I think that's exactly the way my grandmother was and the way my mother is. And I feel like I'm doing the same because I was like, what am I going to make? What can I make next? And what should I do with the leftovers? And yeah. The What's in my fridge to make this weekend? So yeah, it is. I think it just goes down from generations to feeding your family, but it's an act of love. It is, and everything. And maybe it was also the way my grandmother's house was. You know, Sunday meal was sacred, and we were all together on Sunday meal. And now I look back and I long and I and I wish for those times. Teen, as a teenager, did I want to be at my grandmother's every Saturday, Sunday afternoon? Um, no. But now I realize how precious it is and all big discussions happened around that table. So food was just more than sustenance. It was family time. It was precious time. You know, my family didn't believe in like you all eat separately in your own space. We all had, you know, and that was very annoying as a, as a teenager. But gosh, do I wish I had that now. Yep. 
we take for granted oh, yeah. all these things. Yeah. Well, what do they say? Yeah. What's that expression when it's like the youth is wasted on the young or something? Oh, yeah. I don't know. But remember when TV trays came out? Yes. And you could eat in front of the TV and our neighbors had one. And I was like, Mom, Mike and Mary have TV trays. And she and my grandmother were like, it's disgusting. You will never talk to each other. We sit at the table every night at 6 p.m. And I was like, <laughs> but it was cool because yeah. it was this like steel contraption had like patterns on it. I remember vividly that they, you know, ate in front of the TV. They yeah. just like watch TV a lot. But yeah, no, that was not allowed in our house. But you know what, funny you say, because like my mother missed that gene. She didn't get what my grandma, she, she's, she did, she did not. Oh. She's not a cooker. She doesn't. You know, she she will make things that she knows I love when I'm coming to town. But other than that, I don't know what she eats. She has a fridge filled with things. And she's clearly the child of my grandmother that there are probably canned goods that date back to the 1960s in her cabinets. That just will never be used. Was she a career woman? Is that why? she just No, I just think she just doesn't. She, she doesn't take pleasure in it. She loves to eat, but she doesn't want to cook. Okay. Like, it's Friday, and I'm already excited to make my, like, lentil soup tomorrow on Saturday. That's Ooh. Like, relaxing Okay, time. so do you have, like, your <laughs> your week schedule of, are you, like, Taco Tuesday and spaghetti? No, I wish. I have, I'm so, like, my brain, ask my mom, is everywhere at every minute. So, no, I don't have that. And you can just come up But with in the stuff. winter, I like to have, wow. yeah, I just look at my fridge, and I'm like, okay, we're going to have this tonight. And yeah, I like cooking in that way. I, I. If you give me a recipe, I stay because I'm always like, it's too small. It's too small. Like the numbers, I what step am I on? Because I just do it like I'm going to fry the onions. And then it's like, fry the onions and step five. I'm like, oh, well, too late. You know, no, I can't follow a recipe. It's fried. I can't follow a recipe at all. <laughs> like, me too. Okay. I'm, I, I'm a nightmare. Yeah. I am a nightmare. Trying to follow recipes is like the closest I come to questioning my mental intelligence. I can't focus. I'm like... You know, on this, I, just, I don't know. It's hor it's horrible. Don't give me. I love cookbooks. I got tons of them, but they are just like coffee. Never use the recipe. I recipes. can't. Yeah. I want to. I desperately no. want to. It's my problem, not theirs. I love the photos. I'm like, oh my god, that's beautiful. I'm going to make that. No, I won't, because it will be a very okay. version of what a beautiful dish they made. That's why I love you, because we're the same person, just in two different kitchens. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Like, well, why don't I buy this Julia Child cookbook and recreate all her mess recipes? And I'm like, oh. yeah. <laughs> Are you looking for a unique way to connect and entertain your team? Join us in Toronto or virtually and let us host the most fun events for your team with food. Great for teams of any size, La Dolce Culinary Classroom Studio in Toronto offers different packages to suit every event organizer's needs. Have your team make gnocchi pasta from scratch and then enjoy it with a glass of wine. Or try our wine and chocolate tasting series where you'll have your very own sommelier guiding you through several wines and yummy chocolates to discover the aroma, taste, and finish of each one. Or how about getting your teams to be cake boss for a day? They will design and build a cake and win prizes on their creativity, height, and style. Of course, eating buttercream mistakes is all part of the fun. Great for client entertaining, sales meetings, conferences, and more. And if you're interested in learning more, drop an email to events at ladolce.com and they will organize something fantastic for you. Um, tell me, I love pears. 
I love wandering around in Paris. I love the Marais. That's where your school is located. Do you live in the Marais too? So I am in the 11th arrondissement, which is if you walk all the way to the very end of the Marais and cross a main boulevard called Boulevard Beaumarchais, you're in the 11th. Okay. So you can walk to work. That's a good 20, 25 minutes. So I have a few places that I like to go to every time I'm in Paris, which probably don't know the names of it, I just know where they are in relation to where your yeah. school is. And you'll say, Louis, so tell me, what would an ideal foodie day in Paris be? Like if someone's like, I only have a day in Paris, what should I do as a foodie? Okay. Other than come Other to than a class. Other than come to a Obviously class. Obviously come to a All the classes. Okay, so that's the okay, first so day. Out, On the right? second day, what would they do? So the second <laughs> day, um, I would get up and I would go to one of the markets. So depending on the day of the week, I would figure out which markets are going. I would go have a stroll on the market. Um, depending on the season, like this time of year, oysters on the market are super popular. So I would, yes, at 9.30, 10 in the morning, have oysters and white wine. And that's totally acceptable. After the market, I would probably go and have a coffee. Uh, just because I feel like that's kind of tradition when you have all your bags, or even if you don't, but to just go sit somewhere, have a moment, have a coffee. And if I were doing Marche Bastille, then I would walk up to 10 Bells, um, which is just two minutes from the market, and they do fabulous coffee and beautiful bread, beautiful breads. So um, if you want to try some great breads in Paris, I would, I would definitely stop there. And then, so that puts us, what, let's say 11.30 or so, I'd probably uh, continue strolling because keeping in mind, I am now in a calorie deficit because I've been walking continually. With, With breath. You, you just had oysters. <laughs> you just had oysters for the, the chewing and yeah, wine. I'm neutral. Just the <laughs> calories I've burnt and chewing alone, I'm ready to refuel. Um so for lunch, I would probably make my way to Juvenile's Restaurant, which is near the Louvre, and I love it. Having reserved first, because they are so popular and beautiful and tiny. So I'd book myself a nice table for one at Juvenile's, and I would have a fabulous lunch with wine. Um, and then just go strolling again and on. And I like coffee, so I'd probably have a midday coffee. And now we're at what we call the hour of treat. Uh, in French, it sounds much more elegant. <laughs> say, it, say it in French. Okay, it was with not. my very American <laughs> accent, so don't be fooled. Um, it, it's called l'heure de goûter. The hour of the taste, okay. I guess, is probably a better translation. So now it's pastry time. And then, you know, the yes, world is your oyster. Everything. I mean, there's so many fabulous places to visit, um, particularly in the Marais. We're a little spoiled that they're concentrated, but like an afternoon little treat from Maison Alep, which Miriam, the owner and chef, does these beautiful pastries. Um, yeah, you can just make, take yourself on a little food and pastry tour in the Marais itself and just wander around tasting, burning off calories in between, as we said. So each time, you know, you're just refueling yourself. Maybe like find a set of stairs to a church and just exactly. do a little lap. Exactly. You know, touring, touring is a uh, serious business. It's hard on your body if you're not constantly eating. You got to reward it. You're going to keep filling it up exactly. with macaron and baguette. And exactly. Cheese. Exactly. 
So wait, where are we at? So no, yet? we're we're, oh, we're at hour de goûter. goûter. So okay. l'heure de goûter is usually around four p.m. So okay. I'm gonna stroll a bit more okay. and maybe do a little shopping. And again, the Mare has great boutiques to buy uh, gifts for food lovers, mustards and chocolates and all that sort of stuff. So I'll probably do that for a couple of mm. hours. And now we're at six p.m., which is um, the apparel hour. You know, the one thing the French are good for, time here is really subjective. People don't give clear responses to time. They'll give you a window, right? But one thing is certain, when somebody says, I will see you at the hour of the treat, they're going to be there at four because it's just like these unwritten okay. rules. So apparel time, that's like the pre-dinner soiree, uh, which is wine. 6 p.m. You know, 6 okay. p.m. And it's just, you know, maybe I'll meet a friend or again table for one and i love there's two places i love on rue du temple oh, uh, one is called the belle hortense it looks like a bookstore but it's a charming little wine bar and then right across from it you've got a green place called the petite ferro cheval which is sublime and they're just cozy and i'd sit there and have wine and chips or peanuts or whatever they give me um and i'll how do you say that petite fair petite fair f-e-r-o cheval as in horse and i don't know what that means and i hope i'm saying it right actually and then you know so hang out there for a couple of hours and now it's dinner time and i'll tell you what my new crush is it's a sweet little restaurant that i used to pass all the time it's right next to the school it's right next to the school it's called chez julien i love that you know place. what i i guess when things are so close you take it for granted you never wink i got it lisa so i went there and like a hundred years ago, right? You know, took a billion pictures there. We meet there, you know, and, it, and we actually right near the school of. Lightning, my son. There you go. It's named Julian. after your child. I need to go back there again. Oh and it is just—it's like they really have improved their game over the years. Um, not that I ate there regularly, but I just—I hadn't remembered it from years ago. And I recently went because somebody wanted to go, and I was just pretty dazzled. So if I want that, does it still have that vintage car outside? Yep. I don't know where that thing goes. Like it like comes and goes. I'm like, is somebody riding around on this? Oh, does yeah. it? It's not there for me. Oh, I thought it never no, moves. It's, yeah, Ooh, sometimes okay. it's there, sometimes it's not. What is it? Is it like a pink Cadillac? It's or like blue? cream. It's like a cream baby blush okay. pink. Okay. Um, oh my God. So if funny. I want that type of experience, I'll go there. If I want something really like traditional French, just came out in 1960s, has never changed, just on the side of us, our closest neighbor, Le Tremelou. It's a family-run restaurant. It's uh, family style, you know. So if I want like a steak with pepper sauce and, I mean, th that's where I would go. Just right next door to La Cuisine. Wow, I need, I need to try that place. But what's, I remember last time I came trying to Google the difference between a brasserie and a restaurant. What's the difference? The, uh, the era that it kind of mimics or? Well, okay. So this is where I will have all the historians and the people that know much more than I do chime in and <laughs> to say that's wrong. And you know what? Most of what I tell you will be true, but. We're not we're fact checking not... you. Don't worry. Just go on. Just go for go it. Go with me. <laughs> um. A restaurant, to me, is um, it's going to have probably a more elevated coursed meal menu. So when I think of going to a restaurant, I think of Chez Julien, okay? When I think of a brasserie, I am thinking of brasserie-type food, which is if I want a croque monsieur, 
or if I want an omelet, or if I want a nice, beautiful piece of quiche, you know, that to me, or, you know, just a steak frite, that to me is going to be a brasserie type menu. And I also find that brasseries tend to do continuous service. Like you can go there at 3 p.m. and get a steak frite. A restaurant will tend to have set hours, a lunch service and a dinner oh, service. Okay. So in my very humble opinion, that's how I've always considered them. Okay. Do you want to hear yes. my definition? Which is probably totally wrong. I thought a brasserie is like from the Art Deco era and has to have ah. some kind of like grand, like semi-circle, like beautiful stealing. That's my only Okay. Like... But you know what? And I always thought it was fancier than a restaurant because everyone seems to be more old school waiters and buttoned down. But I don't know. Okay, so you're taking fancy as in, um, you're quite right. Some of these old brasseries, they're wearing, oh God, they're like sweaty men in like half tuxedos or something. Okay, but that's not, yes, yes, (laughs) yes, yes. I'm going to Google it. I'll put it in the show notes. But I see see why you say that because like petite... So where I like to go for drinks, Petite Offer Cheval, the, the waiters are dressed like that. And same for Le Philosophe, right on the corner. They're dressed like that, but it's very casual. You know, they're like the old French yeah. waiter. It's not necessarily yeah. fancy. I think it's more a nod to how they used to be. Yes. Le Philosophe is like imprinted in my brain because when I landed in Paris, I sat outside in the morning with a coffee and a croissant and I was like, Oh, and I just that's my like go to spot to just sit and people watch because it's such a old school vibe and atmosphere. And I only ate inside once, but I always have my morning coffee. Like to eat there as well. They do a duck confit, which is wonderful. Yeah, I think you told me the Eden's is that coffee shop, the bicycle one. Oh, the Peloton. They're still there. Yeah, they're doing well. Okay, they're still there. Yeah, you know the neighborhood really well. I should be asking you where you're going. Oh, I love Paris. I know. I need to get back there very soon. Um, yes. Well, I love Paris. And people don't really enjoy Paris because they do like the big touristy things and they're rushed around. But I think just spending a day in a neighborhood like that yeah. is just so, like you said, you just eat and wander and eat and wander. And yeah, you don't need to go to all the big landmarks. I mean, you should because it's nice, but. Like the Louvre is so overwhelming, so it's like, yeah. just take your time and do everything slow. Well, there's things, you know, you'd be amiss to come to Paris for the first time and not have seen the Eiffel Tower. I mean, you know, talk about deception, right? <laughs> there's things you have to see. Yeah. But there's so much enjoyment in just those moments where there's nothing planned, where you sit at a cafe with a glass of wine. Okay, there's lots of glass of wines in my story, so maybe... That's more a reflection of me. There's a common common thread here. (laughs) Uh, But where you just sit and watch the world and let your mind let your mind dance, you know? And like you said, just take a moment. Just like people are always rushing around and it's nice to just sit. And the best part about Paris is all the seats face out. So you're actually viewing the world. You're not facing each other. Magical. You know, you're absolutely right. It is like... I love what you just said. It's so true. It's like Paris puts itself on parade for you. So sit and enjoy it. Yes. It's so funny. When I had my bakery, we had some little tables and chairs outside in the summer. And I'd always put the chairs facing out like Paris. And then my staff would always put them facing each other. I was like, please, like people like sit and have their cupcake and coffee and look out on the street because we were across from a beautiful park and like 
every time I was like, I should have just made a rule. Take the chair's face out. <laughs> you know what? And it's funny. And I don't know if it's like, there's something just, I want to call it French neck. I mean, if you're sitting and you're constantly turned to one side, you'd think you would get sore. But it doesn't happen in Paris. Neck. <laughs> I've never heard that. I mean, seriously. They mastered it. There's the master of just like keeping good... your neck facing one direction and it never gets tired. So you're talking, watching the street, still looking and yeah. hearing your friend. Yeah. My friend Steph picked me up one time, came up from the train station. And she's like, oh my gosh, we need a drink. And this was like in her 20s. And she took me to a little like cafe outside the train station and we sat down. And she just had like a little, you know, a little beautiful glass of wine. We had a glass of wine each. And then she pulled out a cigarette and she was like, and I was like, she's so Parisian. <laughs> like even the pearls and the haircut and everything. It's like, do you want to? Do you want to try one? I was like, sure, I'm in Paris. Yeah. I might as well. <laughs> and I was like, probably the first and last time I like choked on a cigarette. Oh. But it was just like it was so. I was like, yeah, this is what I should do yeah. right now. I hope my son's not listening. Smoking. No, smoking is very bad for you. Don't do it. So dinner parties. Do you host dinner parties? If you could host a dinner party, who would you invite? Would you cater? Would you cook? Which of your chefs would you bring in to cook for you? I know all my guests had a crush on one of your chefs. Eric. Which was hilarious. Don't even yeah. Oh my gosh, is he still there? <laughs> is he still he's there? He's not. Eric moved on. Um, and I hope he's well. He is working at a restaurant in the south lovely. of France, I think. So following his dream, which is fabulous. He was such a passionate chef. Yes. And the ladies did love him. Did all the ladies love him? It was just no. My he group. was universally loved. Okay. Universally, he was yeah. Sad, like, floppy. <laughs> he just well, also just so sweet and charming and kind, kind and helpful yeah. and yeah. Um, he was. You know, that's the different and like looked you in the eye, yeah. like be like this cheese, Lisa, and you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, can I choose people that are dead to come to my dinner party? Yes. Okay. Yes. This is the first time because nobody's given me a dead person. I always ask this question, so please. Um. Shoot. Okay, so the dead if I'm away. if I'm hosting a dinner party versus an apero, I would cook. Because dinner parties, you have to understand, are kind of sacred here in France. That's a big invitation. When you invite somebody to your home for dinner, um, that is usually a suggestion of close proximity to them. You don't necessarily invite strangers. You know, I mean, for, foreigners, we yeah. can get away with it, but a dinner party invitation is important so if I invite somebody for dinner that's a friend or somebody I, I take the effort to cook for them uh, with the exception of dessert that's probably I would bring in something that is from yeah. a pastry store but I'm going to invite Prince I want Prince at my dinner table was he from Chicago Minnesota I think Minnesota he's wonderful yeah okay I love um, this I'm gonna invite okay so Prince is no longer with us but I want to have him uh, because I'm just figuring, like, after dinner, he's going to start playing music and we're all going to just hang out and have fun. Hi, Caramel. <laughs> he's really intrigued. Sorry. <laughs> this, is, this is a podcast, but Caramel the cat is, like, um, on screen. Okay. I want to invite. She's living and I love her. I want to invite Brene Brown. Gosh. Yes. Okay. I'm okay. coming to this. Please invite um, me. Okay. I want to invite Brene Brown. I want to invite. There there is a podcast host called Andrew Huberman. Oh, okay. He has a brain bigger than my entire 
block. I want him at the party and wow. I want him to bring his dog Castello, I think is his name. So how many? Okay. What's his podcast about? He's just so, he talks about like efficiency, like how to make yourself smarter, sharper, stronger, but in a way that is really um, down to earth and fun and not too cerebral that the average person can't enjoy it. Check him out. I really like his stuff. Okay. So that's, that's three people. people and I and I need in. I need two more because I'd like to have a table of six and and okay. I'm gonna okay. search for another woman. Do you know who Tabitha Brown is? She's on Instagram. She's a I just I love tapping in and Does she write a book on writing books? I don't know. But she's just joyful and fun and she takes every once in a while time to send like these really beautiful messages to people, you know, just, oh, wow. um, but she's just fun. I get the impression that she's fun. So I'd like her there. Uh, uh, Dad, I haven't invited any real friends. Is that bad? No, no, no. Don't have okay. No, this is good. Cause now we have all these new people to follow. So I've got two men and you got Andrew Prince. Brene and Tabitha. Okay, then I'm going to invite, oh gosh, I'm going to invite a guy named Adam Grant. Oh, okay. I like him. I, he's, I love his books. You have one more person. Oh gosh. No pressure. Oh, I want, I've got writers, I've got Instagram people, I have musicians. You're so methodical. Well, you know what? It makes for a rich discussion, doesn't it? Yeah. I'd love a philosopher of some sort. Maybe a scientist. Let's throw Einstein in. He's got to be about to say Einstein. I was about to say Einstein. Isn't that We're weird? We're connected. He's got he's got to be that was a hoot. So imagine throwing one subject on the table <clears throat> and just letting them all go at it and all the different opinions that are gonna come out. What are you making? What's everyone eating? Yeah, that would be a lively discussion. And then Prince would be. The Prince is gonna. I'll put some instruments in the background for him to play with. While you're sharing, while you're doing. <laughs> yeah, as work. If it's the holidays, we can do Christmas carols. I don't know. What am I serving? So I always try to opt for things that I can make well in advance, because I hate to cook when guests are here. I, you know, as much as I can, and I'm not a very elegant cooker. And I would probably cook something like a bouffe bourguignon. So very family style that I know I, I, nice, that I yeah. can make in advance. And again, it's not very elegant. I, I love a beautiful roast chicken. But when you got so many people, then it's like, that's my big dilemma. When you have a party of six, can you really just have one chicken? I don't want people giving... Give them beef, buff, burgundial. That's better probably for Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't want people giving eyes at each other over like, there's only two legs. I'm with dark meat prints. Shove over, Einstein. Cheapers. Right. Um, <laughs> so I'd probably make something like that. And for, for the starter, I might do this starter more of an apero type fashion where it's small little niblets that they'd have. Pate? Could you do pate, pates, pate, yeah. Um, I'd have a nice... Are people in France over pates or is that... No, like... it's still always and will always be a thing. You know, there's just classics okay. like pate en croute or... Um, yeah, a foie gras is kind of like a pate, so to speak. It's just in a different form. Yeah. I'll probably have a pretty copious cheese. Yeah, maybe. Because people, board. you know, it is something that people can start dinners with. 
not formal dinners. It is very family to have dishes like that. They're not very elegant, but that's fine. That's not what they're meant for. They're just meant to taste good and be enjoyable. Um, Topia's cheese plate. We're in France. I love that. You guys love your cheese over there. There will be fromage in my house. And it's usually stinky. It really depends, but yes, on most cheeses are going to let you know that they're present, that they are there and to be counted. <laughs> so who who do you admire in food? I think we went through all the courses of the meal, right? I think we did. Certain yeah. Cheese. Yeah. Who do you admire in food? Like any chefs, business owners, cookbook authors? So I will, you know, everything is contextual and it can change. But who I admire now is Ina Garden. I just like I feel like everything I'm thinking, you say. And she's always been a star. Of course, she's a mega star. So it's not that I don't admire that. What I admire is, yeah, people will just leave these little nuggets in the world that you'll have a moment to reflect on and just be like, wow, I saw her on television, and. She basically said that she's never set life goals. And, and I thought, wow, I mean, what, that, that was just wonderful. It was just the thought of, you know, you can, well, I'm sure she has, but it was also, it releases the pressure of just this constant search for things and constant, you know, and just to let it evolve and happen organically. And I heard her tell the story about buying this little boutique and how it turned into something magical. So I admire that. I admire the just going full throttle in and not knowing where it's going to end up, but enjoying the journey. And then I heard her say um, that, you know, how people are always pursuing happiness, trying to pursue happiness, and happiness can be found in a cup of coffee. And it's so true. So that going back to what we said, just just sitting and having having a cup of coffee and what happiness and luxury that is. So I admire, uh, I admire that deeply. I love that sentiment. And then there's so many people, you know, I'm not being flippant about, there's so many professionals that I admire for what, what they've created and what they've achieved. And, you know, to look and see these empires some of them have built is extraordinary. I'm never dazzled by uh, fame. What I am dazzled by are people who've achieved fame and still remain themselves. Then I'll really fall in love with them. When you meet somebody who's like, wow, there's millions that would love to come across you and you're just a normal, wonderful human. That's impressive. Beautiful. You're still grounded, but you yeah. Yeah, accomplished so much. Like I feel like Brene Brown. Oh my like God, that. can I please? So- I'm like, when she comes to Paris, can I find a way? I don't want to like scare her, but can I hang outside of her hotel and just run into her? I love that woman. I just, I love the way she talks. She makes me feel like you can be yourself. She's self-deprecating. She's funny. She's so smart. Smart. You know? She's so smart. And I just like her, her. She's just like, wow. And I love when she's on her podcast. She goes, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) like, I just... But I'm like, like why I, didn't you get her on today, Lisa? Mm-hmm. Couldn't the three of us? Oh, oh my God. No. Okay. I'm scheduling oh, her and Beyonce on next. So I will do a group chat with all of us. Oh, well. Oh, well, I wanted to thank you for your time. This was so much fun. And you said you're a serial career person. What's, are you on a new career? I saw something. You're doing something different. So are you doing something uh, on the side? Tell okay. Me. Yes, I am. 
And this is not to say I don't love La Cuisine. I love her, but she's a teenager now. And you know yeah. how that goes. She thinks oh, my <laughs> my baby's gone. <laughs> my bakery baby is gone. So yeah, she grew up. She's in someone um, else's hands right now. So and I realized to keep my mind fresh, I love to work on other projects. So yes, it will not be a surprise to see me working. And I never publicize it, but me working with another business that wants to get started, uh, helping them to think about product development, client experience. I love that sort of thing. Um, and I, I love it because it keeps me fresh, but it is the most enormous, incredible, gracious gift you can give to somebody to invite them in to help you grow your dream. So, you know, I love doing business consulting. And, that, and I take that really seriously, probably more than the people want me to, because I'm like, where are we today? What's happening? You know, so oh <laughs> it's just like, oh, I just again. wanted you to help for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, so are you helping clients Paris, France or just globally? Cause globally. You know, okay. Clients. Changing. I'm not going to make myself sound so darn grandeur, but they're globally. They're not necessarily food because, you know, client services and hospitality and relationships transfer across every single business that is successful in my mind. It's 100% yeah. true. So, and those are the things I love to work on. Yeah. And, you know, voila. Congratulations. Well, thank you. It, again, well, you know, keep it in perspective. I don't have hundreds of thousands of clients, nor could I because I still have a primary business that keeps me up at night sometimes. But yes, I like to sneak away and have my time. <laughs> Well, I'm glad her doors are open post-pandemic oh, and that you guys yes, survived. And yeah. That you're happy and healthy and you've got caramel yeah. there. And I think with the time change, you are probably ready for upper. Ah, upper no, very upper. good. So I have a, yes, it's now 5 p.m. here and <laughs> I have about an hour. Well, you know what they say, it's five o'clock somewhere. So now I can pull on my good North American roots. Maybe I should be having wine now. There you right? go. Right? Yeah. yeah. So 6 p.m. is the apero. I wish you were here. We could have a little, a little cheers. I know. I know. Well, I'm trying to plot my next Paris, London, South of France visit. So I'll pop in and say hi and have a have a dinner. With I know. Julian, either with my little, either with my little Julian or without. I'm debating whether I should bring him or not. I feel like I should because of the culture, but then I feel like I shouldn't because I just want to wander and have that, you know, filling my own cup type of experience. So it's kind of that. well. Can you do both? I it's a lot. He's four. He's a toddler. A lot of negotiating, putting clothes on and off. I do that every morning with myself. And, yeah, exactly. I'm like, so, I don't yeah, want to go. I don't want to wear that. Two adults. <laughs> and then once you're out, you're like, yeah, I'm like, oh, so good. Like, okay. okay, yeah. Well, I'll keep you posted on my next visit, and I'm going to put some of these amazing links in the yes. show notes. And yes. uh, I am excited to give you a big hug in person and hear about all your new projects and to just wander around Paris. I know. So I know. Thank you for your time. Well, thank you, and... Lisa. This was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. So fun to catch up. Have a great day. I'm going to. Okay. Yeah. I'm sending you a sending big hug. hugs. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of Culinary Chronicles Made with Love. Before you go, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app. For more information on the show, visit ladolching.com. And for more behind the scenes, follow me on Instagram at Lisa Sanguidolce.